Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers at the Africa Cup of Nations in Gabon, joined by Solomon Ashoms in South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we focus on African football's showpiece with Cameroon playing Egypt in Sunday's final after two exciting semi-final matches. Also, we talk about handling defeat. There can only be one winner at the Africa Cup of Nations, so the other 15 teams are having to handle various levels of disappointment, as expectations seem to be so high in football these days. We speak to former Zambia international Jacob Mulenga. Most of the time it's because the guys, I couldn't score, and why didn't I score? It's like, what could I have done better? It's basically the guys in front of me were stronger or faster or more alert than I was. And a lot of points dropped at the top of the English Premier League and transfer deadline day sees Gambian winger Modu Barrow moving to Leeds United. We ask if it's a good move. Leeds are fourth in the championship, so if the season finished tomorrow, they would be in the playoffs, a chance of getting into the premiership, and they're playing in front of crowds of 25,000. Well, that's coming up later, but let's start with what's happening here in Gabon. And I was fortunate enough to be at the stadium in Franceville on Thursday night as Cameroon beat Ghana 2-0 in the second semi-final of the Nations Cup to line up a final against Egypt on Sunday. It was a surprise, really, as Cameroon came here with an inexperienced side and without eight players who refused to play despite being included in the squad. For Ghana, it's six straight semi-final appearances, but they've fallen short each time, runners-up in 2015, losing on penalties, and they last won the tournament back in 1982. So heartbreak for them. So what did you make of the way that Cameroon played, Solomon? A lot of their players refused to show up for this tournament, but they came and from young Lions, they became the real Lions, taking them to the final for the first time since 2008. So we've seen a new generation of players and they played so much more as a unit. Ghana didn't have, you know, what it takes to really win that game. We saw the attacking players like Jordan Ayew and Andre Ayew. They had to retreat backwards a couple of times to, to defend. You know, I felt Ghana has the better team, but if you look at how they played at Cameroon, you know, they deserved to go 2-0 up. And they had a strong defense, strong midfield, not so much options when it comes to attack, but they really crafted themselves together and played as a team and put pressure on Ghana. And Ghana totally lost the plot. Yes, well done to Cameroon. Tough for Ghana fans. They'll have to wait again. And the other semi-final was an epic. Egypt beating Burkina Faso on penalties after a 1-1 draw after extra time. Well, Burkina Faso attacked throughout. They had the most positive approach of all the teams in the semi-finals. But Egypt caught them out in the second half with a Mohamed Salah goal. But Burkina Faso stallions struck back through Aristide Bonse. It went to extra time and to penalties and Burkina Faso's star player Bertrand Traore on loan from Chelsea to Ajax missed the decisive penalty in the shootout having had such a great game otherwise. But Burkina Faso came so close to causing an upset. 
Burkina Faso played some really exciting football and getting to the semi-final, you know, a lot of people didn't give them a chance. The last time they played in the final was in 2013 in South Africa when they played against Nigeria and lost uh, 1-0. Coming into the semi-final, they really had great expectation and I felt they really wanted to really get to the final and they had Banse getting that goal for them. They played well as a unit. They had a few individual players, but I feel the Egyptian team is more balanced, is more uh, stronger and more smarter. So a great run from Burkina Faso, but they play Ghana for third place on Saturday. And Sunday's final is between Egypt and Cameroon. What are you expecting, Solomon? I think it's going to be a really, really great final for football fans across Africa to watch because we're talking about a young team against an experienced team. We're talking about a young team that is ready to go out and make history. You know, they know how to really use their energy to go forward. They're going to be playing against an experienced team led by the 44-year Egyptian goalkeeper. And he has only considered just a goal so far in the tournament. So he's shown that the Egyptian defense, that is the strongest part of the Egyptian team. Would they be able to get goals that they would really need in the final against Cameroon? That's the big question. Because if you look at midfield-wise, I think Cameroon are more stronger. They play around the wing a little bit more. They know how to go through the midfield. And, and Egypt is strong in the wing also. You know, Mohamed Salah is there. But I feel it's really going to be a very brilliant final to watch. Well, it should be a great final. I'll be in Libreville to watch the game and really looking forward to that. Well, there can be only one winner, of course, at the Africa Cup of Nations. So the other 15 teams that qualified are having to handle various levels of disappointment. Ivory Coast coach Michel Doucier resigned soon after the defending champions went out at the group stage without winning a game. Understandable that he would step down, but elsewhere there's perhaps been an overreaction from some fans. The home of Togo goalkeeper Kossi Agasa was vandalised and had to be placed under police protection during their group stage campaign. Fans attacked his home in the capital Lome as they blamed Agasa for their 3-1 loss to Morocco. And yet Togo were the underdogs in a difficult-looking group. Zimbabwe did well to qualify for the Nations Cup for only a third time and they came here ranked number 15 of the 16 teams. They did really well to draw with Algeria in their opening game but lost their other two and the team was branded by fans and the media as a disgrace to the nation. The country's sports minister apologised to the nation on behalf of the team. MPs discussed the issue in Parliament, with one suggesting that the team should be punished by being detained at a military barracks, as once happened to the Ivory Coast team after an early exit. A Zimbabwean MP also proposed that the players should be forced to do community service to pay back their appearance fees, although his suggestion was not taken up. But uh, Solomon, are fans realistic enough in terms of what they're expecting from their team? Steve, I definitely think a lot of football fans are not realistic enough when their team uh, participate in the AFCON tournament or the World Cup. Sometimes we expect a miracle uh, from a team that we know uh, is still young or growing or not as good as uh, its opponent. And we have to be mindful of that. We have to accept it. You know, a country like Togo, if you look at the last two years, Togo has not been doing so well. 
So going into the Africa Cup of Nations, football fans expecting uh, you know, the team to do extremely well, that is very unrealistic. And also in the case of Zimbabwe, where we know the last time Zimbabwe actually took part in the AFCON tournament was a while ago. And we have to really look at, is the Zimbabwean team good enough to beat Algeria? Is the Zimbabwean team good enough to uh, get to the quarterfinal or the semifinals? And looking at the group where they are, and we, if we look at that, we would really come to a conclusion, a honest conclusion, that the team is not good enough, maybe for the future, but not now. So we have to really look at that you know, from a team holistic perspective. And also individually, uh, sometimes you get players make mistakes. A striker right in front of goal, the opportunity to score, but then he misses. A goalkeeper making a mistake and letting goals uh, come in. And the fact is, we all make mistakes. I make mistakes every single day. And the football fans, if they are honest with themselves, they also make mistakes every single day. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to learn to forgive each other. When we make mistakes, how do we learn from it? How do we grow from it? Just so next time we're going to do it better. But when we go out in anger and using violence against football players or saying certain things about football players, we would definitely affect them through the words that we use. Also, we have to always remember as football fans that uh, football is a game, it's a sport. It's not a do-or-die affair. It's not a, a situation where you are fighting, you have to win. No, enjoy the moment. In 90 minutes, enjoy the, the, the moments, every part of it, even if you end up not winning. And that is very important. That is the spirit of sportsmanship. That is the spirit of football. That is why football is created. Not because we want to show the other team that we're superior or better. And if we get that together, I'm sure we're going to be better football fans and we can enjoy the game far much better instead of having uh, anger issues and heart attacks and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, some uh, deep thoughts there. Thanks a lot, Solomon. Let's get a player's perspective now. Here's the thoughts of former Zambia international Jacob Mulenga, who's now playing in China, having had long spells with Chateau Roux in France and FC Utrecht in the Dutch League. Mulenga missed Zambia's 2012 Nations Cup triumph because he was injured, but he had a long career with the national team. And in this interview from our archives, Stuart asked Mulenga how he handles losing. Losing simply means the other team was better and I have to step up, I have to work harder because yeah, I, I, I set myself a challenge and I know if I lose a game, it's because maybe... maybe most of the time it's because the guys, I couldn't score and why didn't I score? It's like, what could I have done better? It's basically the guys in front of me were stronger or faster or more alert than I was. Because football, yeah, the only way you're going to score is maybe a stroke of genius. or, But most of the time it's because one person has to make a mistake. For every goal there's someone who's made a mistake. So if a team is really alert extremely alert and there's no stroke of genius which happens not in every game there's no there's no way you're going to score if you have everyone extremely alert there's no way you're going to score can you still enjoy a game if you lose it yeah you can enjoy it you can enjoy the actions but the ultimate target is like to to win the game so it's it's hard really because the winning is just the satisfaction you get of this is what we've been trying to do the whole week and, and we have it, so we've achieved it. So, yeah, I think you can enjoy it. 
That's former Zambia international Jacob Mulenga talking to Stuart Weir, who joins us now. Uh, Stuart, you've been following sport for a very long time. What's your take on the idea of just enjoying the game? Because uh, there seems to be less room for defeat in world football and indeed in any sport these days. Well, you know, I thought that Jacob Malenga spoke an awful lot of sense because the reality is that most footballers lose as many games as they win. And so if your happiness depends on winning, it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster. And, you know, I think Malenga saying sometimes you have to accept defeat and that the other team were better. It happens. And, uh, you know, I thought that was a very mature attitude. Of course, if you don't win, you don't get your win bonuses and ultimately you don't get a new contract. But um, I thought it was really good to hear a player actually saying that sometimes you just have to accept defeat and even try to enjoy it. Incidentally, we've talked a bit about China recently, and of course, Jacob was one of the first African players to go to China. I mean, I caught up with him. He was playing in Netherlands at Utrecht. Then he had a year in Turkey and then played in Yongchang in China for two years. So he was a bit of a pioneer and, uh, you know, perhaps that attitude uh, took him a long way. Yes. Well, I can think of Iceland at Euro 2016 reaching the quarterfinals as huge underdogs and there were no complaints from the fans there when their fairy tale run ended. But otherwise, there often seem to be serious consequences for defeat. Take Louis van Gaal, who won the FA Cup with Manchester United last season but was fired straight afterwards. Yes, hello, Steve. I think there were reasons why Van Hal was fired. Well, first of all, you know, winning the FA Cup isn't what it used to be, and getting into the Champions League is deemed to be more important, and also that Manchester United should have been challenging for the Premiership. And the other factor, of course, is that Jose Mourinho was available, and United thought if we don't take him now, he'll go somewhere else. But it's also part of the culture of English football. I mean, there was one season where 63 of the 92 clubs changed their manager. And you look in the premiership of teams like Swansea, who are on their third or is it fourth manager, including caretaker managers, in this one season. And similarly, Watford seemed to have a good season, fire the manager almost routinely. I mean, Alex Ferguson famously said he thinks that in England, the average housefly has a greater life expectancy than a Premier League manager. Well, yes, expectations are very high and the stakes are high in world football these days. Thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, coming to you from Gabon with me, Steve Vickers, at the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations. I've been posting pictures on Twitter. Our handle is at PlanetSportFA. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. Also, you can listen to the show on our website, that's planetsportfootballafrica.com. And last week on the show, we had an in-depth interview with former Cameroon midfielder Eno Ayong on playing at the Nations Cup and on his faith. The full interview, in audio and in print, is on the Planet Sport Football Africa website to listen to or to read. The address again, planetsportfootballafrica.com. 
And now we turn to Facebook and to WhatsApp. We've been asking for your continuing thoughts on the Nations Cup. Uh, these latest comments were in before the semi-finals, I should say. And kicking us off is Mwinga Maimbolua from Zambia, who says it's been a roller coaster ride for all of the teams. You have to agree with you there, Mwinga. First of all, the holders Ivory Coast going out at the group stage, and many people's favourite Senegal missing their opportunity, losing their quarter-final on penalty to Cameroon. I was fortunate enough to watch that game. It was a humdinger. I really thought that Senegal were going to take advantage this time and go all the way in the tournament. But uh, in some ways, outwitted by Cameroon, who sat back and defended early on in the game and waited uh, for their chances to come. To Aliou Bicante and the Gambia, Aliou says in this year's competition, Burkina Faso have surprised many people, but Senegal have failed the people despite all their talented players and the Africans' highest record signing, Sadio Mane. I congratulate the young Cameroonian team with their super shot stopper Fabrice Ondoa, says Aliou. He's a good talent and I tip him as the best goalkeeper of the tournament. Also in the Gambia, Al Mame Camera was originally hoping that Senegal would lift the trophy. I felt bad that night, says Al Mame, but I give credit to Cameroon because they were defensively organised. To Malawi now, and Alfred Mdimba says it's an interesting tournament and I'm enjoying it. Uh, Mohamedou Haidara in the Gambia got in touch after Ghana's win over the DRC in the quarterfinals, saying my team is doing well. And Mohamedou says he's a big fan of the black star striker Andre Ayou. Mohamed Shamak Kargbo in Sierra Leone was initially rooting for the Taranga Lions of Senegal. He then changed his prediction to Cameroon. Uh, Medlov in the Gambia asks us a question. He says, how are you guys enjoying the tournament? Well, kind of you to ask, Medlov. It's great to be here and to see the quality of the football with my own eyes is a real privilege. Imagine getting the chance to see Sadio Mane not on TV, but at the stadium. And he's only one of many great players who've been taking part in this tournament. Now, some people predicted Burkina Faso to go all the way, that though before their semi-final defeat to Egypt, Khalifa Sanyang got in touch uh, from where he's studying in China, adding it's been an exciting and unpredictable tournament. Uh, Malik Gai in the Gambia agrees, and Abrima Kante also in the Gambia. In Sierra Leone, Sil Tucker says, I enjoyed the surprise packages this year, but I go for Egypt. And Paulus David in Namibia agrees with Sale and tips the pharaohs to win, as does Musa Mane in the Gambia. It's good to hear from Charles Siele from Kericho in Kenya, who got in touch for the first time. Thanks for your well-researched and up-to-date African and world football analysis, says Charles. Well, thank you, Charles, for your kind comments. And he continues saying, as for the Nations Cup, I see Egypt carrying the cup. And finally, Ansumana Kole in the Gambia says it seems everything about the tournament's been interesting, from the fans to the amazing goals, but the pitches have been treacherous. And meanwhile, I'm appealing to CAF to increase the number of participants in the tournament. Well, on the uh, pitches, Ansumana, I had a chance to talk to an engineer from France who was here as part of the team working on the pitches, and he explained to me that for drainage purposes, there are trenches of sand beneath the surface of the pitches. Now, we've seen sand coming up at three of the four pitches being used during games, 
and the problem seems to be that the pitches were prepared too late. Also, to give you a bit of insight on the small crowds at the stadiums, uh, the crowds got even smaller when Gabon were knocked out at the group stage. It's actually very difficult for fans to get to the stadium. Uh, for security reasons, police have blocked off access to all of the stadiums. You can only drive in if you're in an official vehicle. If you're going by taxi, as I've been doing, you have to drop off at a roadblock and walk 10 minutes or so to the stadium. There's no public transport up to the stadium and no car parking facilities either at the ground. So if you came in your own car, you'd have to leave it somewhere before the roadblocks. So it's all rather difficult and not surprising that people haven't been going to the stadium in large numbers. Which is a bit of a shame because it's supposed to be a football fiesta for the people of Gabon to enjoy. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. And next week, we'll be reviewing the Nations Cup in depth. So do make sure you send in your comments on Facebook. The page is Planet Sport Football Africa. Or on WhatsApp, including voice notes, if you like. Your voice could be heard on the show next week, analysing the Nations Cup. The WhatsApp number, plus 447955232780. That's plus 447955232780. Give us your views on the Nations Cup after Sunday night's final. Away from African football's showpiece here in Gabon, let's talk English Premier League now. Uh, Stuart Weir still with us uh, from the UK. And some big transfers on deadline day on Tuesday. And now, Stuart, you'd said that a Gambian winger Modu Barrow was likely to be loaned out by English Premier League club Swansea. And indeed, he's moved to championship side Leeds United, a club with a huge history uh, now playing in the second tier. A good move? Well, I think it is a good move for him simply because having had a brilliant time under Bob Bradley, the new coach Paul Clement doesn't seem to rate him and he, he just hasn't got any game time. Leeds are fourth in the championship, so if the season finished tomorrow, they would be in the playoffs, a chance of getting into the premiership, and they're playing in front of crowds of 25,000. So I think it'll be a good time and a chance for Modo to re-establish himself. And Leeds United are three-time English champions, but hit by financial problems in the early 2000s, but now seem to be on the up. And the Nigerian Odion Igalo has had a poor year at Watford, but he's off to China in a $25 million move. Yes, I mean, the... Watford top goal scorer for the last two seasons, but he struggled even to be a first choice under the new manager, Walter Mazzari. He's only got one goal this season and suddenly the chance for him to go to play in Changchun in China for big money and Watford got a big transfer fee, so that seemed to suit everyone. And, you know, there are a few other fascinating moves. Um, Swansea are going to have an IU because having lost Andre to West Ham in the summer, Jordan IU has now gone from Aston Villa to Swansea and Adebayor the Togo legend has got a new club he's gone to Turkey to play for Basak Sahir who are currently second in the Super League just behind Besiktas and finally Leicester City have signed Molawagu born in France but he plays for Mali and he is a Granada player although he's never played for Granada he's been on loan to Udinese Leicester, of course, are struggling towards the bottom of the table, and here's a chance for him to make an impact. Sure, so another African at Leicester City. And in midweek games in the English Premier League, a lot of points dropped at the top, with league leaders Chelsea getting a one-all draw at Liverpool. 
The results were rather strange because of the top six, only Manchester City were winners. But that all leaves Chelsea nine points clear at the top. But intriguingly, Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool and Manchester City, four clubs, I suppose chasing three Champions League places, separated by just one point. Now, the big game was Liverpool at home to Chelsea. Liverpool going into that having lost the last three. And quite an intriguing game because you really felt that if Liverpool were going to challenge for the league, they needed to win that. And uh, so Chelsea just look a bit unstoppable. Steve, English football fans have a song, Can We Play You Every Week? And I think Manchester City must feel that way about West Ham because in the FA Cup at the beginning of January, West Ham at home to Man City and City won 5-0. And again, they played the same fixture, this time in the league this week. And transfer window signing Gabriel Jesus scored. And he looks a phenomenal signing. I think he could be one of the players of the season. And great to see our old friend Yaya Torre playing and scoring in that game. You know, I hold my hand up. I thought he'd not play for City again. I thought he wouldn't be here after the transfer window. But he seems to have made it up with Guardiola and to be playing really well. Intriguing to see whether he stays beyond the summer. Now, one of the big losers, in a sense, were Manchester United, who drew nil-nil with Hull City, dominating the game but not scoring. And you know, they've done that already this season at home to Burnley and Stoke. So three home draws when they were the dominant team. Now, afterwards, Jose Mourinho suggested that the referee had allowed Hull to commit too many fouls. And while Manchester United are in the final of the League Cup and they're still in the Europa League and the FA Cup, they do look... Certainly that the chances of winning the league is completely gone and they're even struggling to make the top four and get into the Champions League. Now, why are Manchester United not scoring is the bigger question. They have such good strikers. We had Rashford and Ibrahimovic starting the game, Rooney coming on as a sub, but Anthony Martial on the bench, not used at all, because, of course, he's slightly in conflict with Jose Mourinho. So Manchester United have all the firepower they could possibly want, but don't seem somehow to be able to carve out the goals against teams who have come there simply to survive. And of course, for Hull City, in the relegation trouble, getting a draw at Manchester United is a magnificent result. But Jose Mourinho, I think, under a bit of pressure, because of course Van Hal won the FA Cup and got fired last year because he didn't take the team into the Champions League. So I think uh, Jose Mourinho not really doing what the Manchester United faithful had hoped for. Yes, and imagine if some of those draws had been wins, Manchester United would be in a much better position. And interesting developments at the bottom of the table, Stuart. We saw Swansea beating Southampton, another win for Paul Clement, and Crystal Palace gaining their first win under Sam Allardyce, with Wilfred Saha back from Gabon, where he'd been playing for the Ivory Coast, in fine form. And, of course, Palace have added the Ghanaian Geoffrey Sloop to their squad in the transfer window. But with Hull and Sunderland drawing, it was a really good time for the bottom of the table. But one of the implications of this is that there are now six clubs who are really in relegation trouble. At the moment, we've got Sunderland bottom, then Hull and Crystal Palace. But only two points above them are Swansea, 
Leicester City and Middlesbrough. And, you know, everyone says Leicester City, the reigning champions, still in the Champions League, are too good to go down. But they will go down if they don't start winning games. I mean, they were a bit unfortunate when they lost 1-0 at Burnley when Vokes clearly handled the ball as he scored. And as that lovely man, Claudio Ranieri, said afterwards, well, I think everyone in the stadium saw the handball except for the referee. But, you know, Leicester are in trouble. Leicester could go down. They've got to start winning games. And just a quick well done to Peter Crouch, who scored for Stoke City to become the 26th player to score 100 Premier League goals. Incidentally, Steve, Alan Shearer was the first to do it, the only one to score 100 goals for two separate clubs, and with 260, he has scored more Premier League goals than anyone else. And incidentally, the only African to score 100 goals in the Premier League is, of course, Didier Drogba for Chelsea. Interesting, and well done to Peter Crouch for his 100 English Premier League goals. Thanks, Stuart. That's it for the show for this week, but do give us your thoughts on WhatsApp and on Facebook on the Africa Cup of Nations for next week's show. We'll be reviewing the tournament. We're welcoming your voice notes too, if you like. Facebook page Planet Sport Football Africa and our WhatsApp number plus 447955232780. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Give us your views on the Nations Cup after Sunday's final. From me, Steve Vickers at the Africa Cup of Nations in Gabon, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.